Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Week one is finally here. Woo-hoo! Just a few <laughs> days away from football games that count for real in the NFL. We will preview the Thursday night game on our Wednesday show. Paige will be back by then. But today, it's myself and Jake Arians here again. And there is so much news that we need to go over. But let's start. You know, Jake and I were talking before the show. We're like, you know what? We don't want to start here because it felt like we've started so many shows this offseason with this topic. But it continues into September as the biggest topic in fantasy football right now. And that is, will Ezekiel Elliott be on the field for the Dallas Cowboys in week one? There was a ton of optimism late last week and over the weekend that a deal was going to get done. And then on Monday morning, that optimism kind of dried up a little bit. Seems like they might have hit a snag and... There are certain reports that the Cowboys thought that Zeke's camp would kind of compromise a little bit more than they did. And so his week one status is up in the air. Most drafts are done at this point, but there are going to be some like ours. We're doing a big draft with all the with all the draft network guys on Wednesday night. They still have to make a decision. So I guess there's two questions here, Jake. A, if you haven't drafted, what do you do with Zeke if you're drafting tonight on Labor Day? And if you've already drafted, what do you do for week one? It's a great question. Look, there's a lot of optimism now. I don't think he misses more than a week. Uh, If if that's the case, is he really, really ready for week two to get 20 carries? I don't think they need him to. So it could hurt you. It still could bite you in the ass for the first couple weeks, but I think he still has to creep into that. If you're picking eighth, ninth, whereas last week we were like, hey, be cautious. I'm not going to touch that. Now I think he's probably in that, that range, but you better find somebody you know, and we'll get into this in a minute, but like Duke Johnson was the perfect guy to maybe put in there as an RB2 to buy you two weeks. Well, maybe that's not the case now. So who are you going to take? Because we talked about last week as well. Is Tony Pollard a must handcuff? I don't know. I still think Alfred Morris could steal some of his action. So you got to find somebody, if you're going to take Zeke that high, to buy you two weeks in that flex spot. And if you're like our league, we have two flexes, man, it's, a little, it's still a little risky for me until I know he's signed, sealed, and delivered. Yeah, because, I mean, the biggest issue you deal with here, and I think it's going to be a dilemma at some point of let's say a deal gets done, but let's say it gets done Friday night. So, yeah, Zeke might be on the field. I think he's inactive if that's the case. But are you playing him in fantasy? Like, are you no, you're confident no. playing him if he's showing up to, for, to walk through? It's the first time he's been with the team? Yeah, I mean, look, a new offensive coordinator who's put in new plays. Now, I don't know if they've sent Zeke a playbook down to Cabo to be walk, you know, watching film on Marshall Falk and been putting plays in. But it's still a new play caller, right? You still have it's technically a new offense with Kellen Moore. And I don't I mean if he signs as late as Wednesday, if he if he signs Wednesday, gets a walk through Thursday, practices Friday, I still don't think I'm gonna play him. Uh, there's gotta be better options than that for week one, unless he's just in that freakish of shape and he does know the offense completely. Yeah, I mean, I still have a hard time taking him in the top ten, if it's me. Like I I, I know that 
Look, he, I've said it to him. Like I said, I'd be really tempted eight or nine. Yeah. I'm, I, back in the top ten, I'm like, oh, God. But, like, I, I talked myself out of handcuffing him with Tony Pollard last week. So now I'm like, man, you better reach for somebody else. Like, you better go Devontae Freeman, Josh Jacobs, and then hope your receivers are getting, you know, the Calvin Ridleys and Mike Williams of the world, and then you're, you're weak at receiver. But at least you have enough running backs to fill your roster until he comes back. Well, and I think that's where you hit the point. Obviously, you're going with the top three running backs there. Uh, I would go with all the top four wide receivers, the Adams, Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomases of the world before I get to Zeke. I know a lot of people are have been comfortable taking Zeke at four and just hoping. I, I'm not sure I want to do that, but it looks at this point like he's not going to miss several games. We're now it's, It feels like, barring something crazy happening, that this is maybe a one- or two-week deal uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, where if that's the case, he's still probably worthy of a first-round pick late, but... Uh, to me, I think he's in that debate with the Todd Gurley's, the Dalvin Cooks, the James Connors of the world, Joe, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon at the end of the first round of like, okay, do you want to take him there and just saying, you know what, I'm going to write off week one and I'm just going to assume he's going to be on the field in week two or week three? I totally understand that. Yeah, for sure. Next up, let's talk about the, the litany of Texans trades. We alluded to what could have happened on last week's show, but basically let's talk about it from the Texans perspective first. They get Laramie Tunsil. And they get Kenny Stills. They also get Carlos Hyde in a trade. Uh, let's talk about all that because every single one of those players has some fantasy impact for the Texans. Let's start with the new left tackle that they have because we have ragged on the Texans' offensive line all offseason, and deservedly so. Do you feel – one player doesn't make a terrible line great, but do you feel a little bit better if you're a Deshaun Watson owner or a Duke Johnson owner now that Laramie Tunsil is in the fold? Absolutely. You got a premier left tackle, and by all accounts, he was becoming the premier franchise left tackle for the Dolphins. I don't understand this for the Dolphins at all. For the Texans, they got better all the way around. The only thing is, like, your offensive line is that bad that you cut Matt Khalil, and you have plenty of salary cap space. You can't tell me that you don't need a swing tackle, or that you can't move Khalil to right tackle, or move him inside the guard. Some, you, like, cutting him, I don't get, because you still need depth on that offensive line big time. Look, you called all credit to you. You said Carlos Hyde's going to end up protection for weeks now. He did. That makes them better. That's a first and second down guy that played in the shotgun in college. Duke Johnson can really stay that third down role. I think it really hurts his value in fantasy, but they got better. And I said last week, if Kenny Stills goes there, Kiki Cutie's value goes way down. And probably Will Fuller's does too, But because he, he can play both positions. He can be inside, he can be outside. But I think Stills in the slot there, could be a sneaky, sneaky play moving forward. We liked him in Miami. We were talking about that last week. But I really like him in that offense there. He's a veteran pro that runs the whole route tree. Uh, has those nuances, have been around a long time, good hands, still explosive enough to go up, you know, go deep, go over the top. Uh, I really like that. I love, I love what the Texans did. They also cut $16 million of stuff. They needed to move on from an injury riddled Jadavian Clowney, who they obviously didn't like. They didn't want to give a long-term deal to. He didn't want to be there. Cut bait, move on. They got better. Period. Yeah, got two starting linebackers back for him. But I mean, don't worry about the third round pick. They got they got better all the way around. Yeah, I mean, the, the Javon Clavy stuff's interesting because he's just he's such a he's such a talented player, but you don't always get the same effort level. I mean, we were talking before the show. Like, it reminds me if I look back at the college careers of Javon Clowney and a guy like Leonard Fournette, and I think there's so much. I know they play completely different sides of the ball, but there's so much similarities where they flash. Not just good talent, elite talent. I mean, they flash all pro. They flash all time great plays. And then, but they also don't play every play very hard 
or play every game very hard or play every down very hard. And it's like this weird combination of what do you do with a player that has all the talent in the world and it has shown tangible evidence that they have it, but they don't bring it every day, every get down, every game. Yeah, look, I, I give my boy Haji, Merrill Hodge, a ton of credit. You go back to this draft and he said, and he got crushed for it, for saying it. Jadavion Clowney should not be the first overall pick. Khalil Mack should be. Khalil Mack coming out of Buffalo was Buffalo. Jadavion Clowney flashing the SEC, all that stuff. He said Khalil Mack plays every single down like it's his last down. He sets the edge. He rushes the passer. He stops the run. He can blitz from the inside. He can do all this different stuff. And he said Clowney will flash the greatest play you've ever seen and then take the next eight plays off. And that has been his career. Not to mention the injury riddledness. It's exactly like talking about some of these running backs or you talking about OBJ. He hasn't played 75% of the, the the games he's been supposed to play in, right? Yeah, and it's... it's Look, the Seahawks needed this help, but I don't think he has 12 sacks for them. I don't think he plays more than 10 games. He has... I mean, he's already had microfracture surgery on that knee. He never stays healthy. He hasn't been with the team in training camp. A lot of these guys, like, I'm scared to death about drafting Zeke. A lot of these guys have been running a straight line trying to stay in shape, but they haven't been running cuts, and they pull a hamstring their second day there, right? Yeah, we see it all the time. We see it all. You know, I, I look, I, I love what the Texans did. I don't hate what Miami's done. And they moved a bunch of veteran stuff. They moved money. They're stockpiling draft picks. They're playing for the future. But I love what the Texans did all the way around. Bill O'Brien's like, dude, I, I had a franchise quarterback. I just added a franchise tackle. I had a solid running back, two solid running backs. So they just, you know, they did the Duke Johnson thing a couple weeks ago. Added a premier slot receiver that's a not a premier guy, but he plays all three positions. He's a veteran pro that's been there and done that. They can still go deep. Two starting linebackers, like, and got a draft pick and moved on from a headache and a, and a nightmare in the locker room from all accounts. Like, I love what the Texans did. Yeah, and let's let's take a hyper-focus on the two guys that are most relevant for fantasy. Let's start with Kenny Stills because you, you brought this up, that he could play all three positions. That's so important because not only is Kiki QT injured right now and you could put Kenny Stills in the slot there and let him play that role, but Will Fuller ain't exactly a pillar of health himself coming no. off ACL surgery, and he can play that Will Fuller position. And by the way, he probably has more talent when healthy than Will Fuller. So imagine – I'm not thinking this offense as you, – you pretty much four wide receivers deep in this offense when everybody's healthy, and now they have uh, some backbone. Because my biggest concern when I talked about moving Deshaun Watson down a tier, even though I didn't drop him in rankings, was that you know Hopkins was dealing with an injury, Will Fuller's coming back off ACL, QT was injured, they don't have a tight end option – uh, you know, the period of time where Duke Johnson was banged up a little bit. You know, now this gives the Texans a lot of depth. And, you know, Kenny Stills was available on a lot of waiver wires. I, I would pick him up. His value has gone up for me, going to a much better offense here. And knowing that his role gets significantly increased if there's anybody hurt there. And right now, Kuti's not going to play week one. We don't know how long Fuller's going to play. I-, I like him being attached to a really strong passing offense. I think he's a solid number two on that team above those guys, whether they're all healthy or not. You can't play – he's man-to-man. He's a matchup nightmare. He can still do everything. He plays zone. He's been around the league long enough. He's a savvy veteran that if he's inside, he's going to kill you. So I, I think his value went way up. I love his value. I think he's the solid number two. And look, if Hopkins gets hurt, he can move over to that side if the other guys are healthy and take that role for a couple weeks. Like his value to that team – I mean, you hear, you hear people talk about it all the time on TV. You know, the more they can do, the better they help the team. Well, this dude can do a ton of stuff. All three positions, move around. like. I, I just I love it. I absolutely love what the Texans did. I do too. And, and Kenny Stills has been more productive than people think. I, I think he's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle in Miami. But if you go back and look at his raw numbers there, he's been more productive. He's had boomer bust weeks that people just kind of forget about. With Carlos Hyde, uh, 
I don't know what to do. I think to me, he at this point, the reason I didn't move him down in my rankings because I kind of just always expected, as you said, to him to land in Houston. I don't know what the running back room looks like there now in terms of touches. I think this hurts Duke Johnson more than it helps anybody else. Like I don't think Carlos Hyde's even a – I think Carlos Hyde's a fringe flex play at best. I think he's more like a bench option for you. I think this is not yeah. Duke Johnson down to mid to low level flex play where I thought he was a high level flex play for me before this deal. Um, it just It's tough because we haven't seen an extended period where Duke Johnson's been – given the, the task of carrying the load. We have seen Carlos Hyde do it not very efficiently. Like he's a terribly inefficient runner, but he has handled big workloads in the past. So you kind of wonder if this is going to be a hot hand situation. Duchas is still the back you want. He's still the pass catcher. He's still going to be out there on third downs. But boy, this just muddies the water for another backfield. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think Duke Johnson's in that sixth, seventh, eighth round like we were talking about last week before this trade. Because I think this hurts him enough that you're, you know, if you took him in the ninth or tenth, you still feel pretty good about it. He's still a flex play. They're still going to be down in some games. They're still going to be two minute drives. Anytime they go no huddle, it's going to be Duke Johnson. But Carlos Hyde's going to be their first and second down back. He's going to be their short yardage guy, their goal line guy. So there is some value there, but not a ton. But I do think it hurts Duke, Duke Johnson enough that I'm glad I didn't steal him in the seventh or eighth round last week when I was trying to uh, in one of those drafts. So yeah, I mean, I think I think it hurts him more than it, more than it helps Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and I think this is why you have to be careful not to be reactionary when things like that happen. I think we all realize that they were going to bring in another back. I mean, there was no whether it was Kenyon Drake in a trade we talked about, whether it was you know Carlos Hyde, or whether it was the next guy we're going to talk about, Lashawn McCoy, who we thought had a decent chance of going there. Lashawn McCoy goes to Kansas City, and every Damian Williams owner in the fantasy world is panicking. Jake They're panicking because they took him so high. Yeah. I mean, and, and the reality is, is look, I, I, I'm of the mind that Damian Williams is a slightly better player than most people think he is. But the reality is, is he's not a star. The situation is a star maker. And yes, for sure. And I'm a little worried about Damian Williams and the workload. I mean, I think there is definitely a place and a package for Sean McCoy, but Shady ain't the same dude that he was. He's averaged three yards of carry the last two years. And yes, I know it was in Buffalo, but that offensive line's actually been pretty good in Buffalo for a while. They're stacking the box against him, yada, yada. I get all that. I think he's definitely a pass-catching threat. Uh, there's definitely some value there, but people are going to go crazy and be all of a sudden making trades for Sean McCoy. And it, Come on. I mean, I, I still don't want to touch it. I mean, it's just still a running back package. I think, I, think, I think McCoy actually has less value than Duke Johnson. I think he plays a lot less than Duke Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I, I would put McCoy on my bench, but he's not somebody that I'm, I, I'm – Putting a put in a starting lineup because to me I just think you need a Damian Williams injury because then that that's point, exactly what I was just thinking. If he gets hurt, you could have a monster three weeks from Shady, but he can't do it for the whole season. Yeah, because then you could have that stretch where Shady's you know playing most of the downs, splitting a little bit with Darwin Thompson, who's going to have his role on the team. You know, because all all three backs are going to have their role at some point, but I can't see McCoy having any prominent role without Williams being hurt. Like I feel like that's that's the dynamic there, but. I understand you being concerned if you took Damian Williams in the second round and you're now looking at all the backs there and Darwin Thompson's had a really strong camp and now they bring in LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, I mean all the concerns we had there were from before are still there. We haven't seen him carry the workload. Is he going to be the back for the full season? You know, Andy Reid is not afraid to switch backs and ride with the hot hand because he can have success with so many of them. But you kind of knew all this before. I mean, I, I don't think LaShawn McCoy being in there versus Carlos Hyde being there is that big of a difference. I just think people are more, I don't know, more aware of it now. 
for lack of a I can I can see McCoy because he can pick up a blitz. Not that he's like super tough, but he's the old savvy veteran, right? He's going to pick up. He knows the offense already. I can see him playing those two minute drills. They go no huddle. They're you know they're down late in a game. I can see that being his time because he's such a dynamic pass catcher. So I think there's definitely going to be that. But how much is Kansas City going to be coming from behind? I mean, it's going to be a two minute drill at the end of the half. And then they're just running their offense, so then there's going to be a package for him. So, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think – I just wait and see for me, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, there's going to be a ton of value in that Kansas City backfield, and it's just going to be a matter of who's healthy what week. Uh, but if Damian Williams is healthy, I don't think he's just going to lose the job. I think it's going to – No, 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 it's his. It's his. So, But let's talk about what's left over in Buffalo because we've talked about that as a situation that we've been trying to figure out. Three guys left in Buffalo, the rookie Devin Singletary, old man Frank Gore, and TJ Yeldon. Uh, Frank Gore just will not go away, will he? And, and I think people that are writing him off this year too, I'm not going to be one of them. I was the one last year saying he's going to have a bigger role in Miami than people think and he's going to annoy the heck out of Kenyon Drake owners. That's exactly what happened for most of the season. Uh, I do think Singletary will end up being the guy at some point, but that some point might be Thanksgiving. Uh, I really think Frank Gore is going to have a significant role in this offense for the first couple months of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you were spot on last year. I can't help but think it's going to be a very similar situation. TJ Yeldon's going to have his his spot. He's yeah. a great third down back, good pass catcher, picks up the blitz, savvy veteran now. I mean, people don't think it's, it's been five or six years. TJ Yeldon's been around. He's going to have his role too. It's another just running back by committee, throw your hands up in the air. What do I do here? I like Singletary if he becomes the guy because I think he can be a three-down guy, but I don't I don't know when that happens, if it happens at all this year. Yeah, I mean, again, he's. If I had to pick one back that I want to draft, it's still Singletary because of the upside. But I, I mean, I don't really want to do much with the situation. I don't think any of them are even in flex territory right now. No, I mean, Frank Gore. You know, full disclosure, in one of my leagues, Frank Gore is available on the waiver wire. I've elected not to pick him up just because I don't think there's a ton of upside there. But you know, there might be some from week to week where he gets the opportunity. But I just kind of want to avoid that backfield altogether. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Let's uh, let's wrap up with a couple more running back notes. First off, let's go back to the other major story of the offseason. Melvin Gordon continues to hold out. The Chargers are no longer negotiating with him. They will not negotiate a contract during the regular season. They have given his agent permission to seek a trade for a team that also will probably will not want to pay him what he wants. Uh, so this is going to drag into the regular season, and I'm starting to think this is going to be like a – halfway through the season type deal for Melvin Gordon. What is your feel on this now? Look, I got to give Tommy Telesco a lot of credit for having the balls to do what he just did. I've known him a long time. I have a ton of respect for him. I think he's been the lead, lead general manager to say, we are no longer negotiating with you. You show up if and when you want to, you're playing on your fifth year deal. Go ahead and seek a trade in the meantime. He's already talked to every general manager. He knows what the trade is going to be, may or may not be. He knows what the value of it is. And Melvin Gordon, as much as we've loved him in fantasy and whatever, he's not Le'Veon Bell. He does not have the option to sit out an entire year and think he's going to be sitting on $50 million next year. It'll be a big deal, but he still has to come in and play. I've said all along, I don't think it's going to be with the Chargers. I think they're going to end up – I think the Chargers at this point would say, okay, we'll take a two, we'll take a three, we'll take a three and a linebacker, we'll take a three and a safety. Let's move on. Jadavion Clowney, this is killing our locker room kind of thing. Um, and I, I don't think he plays for the Chargers, but I don't know when it gets done. I mean, the Chargers have planned all along to move on without him. He's in Florida chilling, hoping he gets traded to the Dolphins, who can afford to pay him. 
And I think that's maybe the only, I think the last landing spot, right? Like we thought Houston was going to be a good spot. Indy would have been a good spot. I said Pittsburgh just because they they knew what the numbers in their head would be for Le'Veon Bell, but it's not going to happen there. I think Miami's his last chance, but his value is going down. And another aspect of this is Zeke, right? Zeke wants to be the highest paid running back. So does Melvin Gordon. The thing with Zeke's is though, if he signs a four-year deal, it's really a six-year deal. Unless it's they just tear up his rookie contract altogether and give him a new one. But even if it's a fourth-year deal, they're going to backload the hell out of it. So the media and the fans think he's the highest-paid running back. Well, who knows if he's going to be there in four or five years if it's a four- or five-year deal and they backload the last you know, $35 million of a $70 million deal or some crap. That kills Melvin Gordon's value. He's not Zeke. He's older, more injury history. I just don't know what his value is. Like this is this is not a good situation for him, and it's, this was not a smart play in my in my book. No, and the fascinating thing to me is going to be what team is. I mean, I could see some team giving up a third round pick or giving up you know a, a you know one of their players for him. The issue is 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 Melvin Gordon going to play for another team if they don't get a new contract? Because I'm not sure what other team is going to hand him the contract that he's looking for. Why would Miami pay a running back on a second contract like this right now? They're years away from competing. Uh, I'm not sure what what that does for them. Uh, I don't. I, at this point, I don't think Houston's going to invest more money and, dra- and draft capital into their backfield when they've already traded for Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Even if Melvin Gordon's a significant upgrade over those players, I just don't see where he goes at this point. I think he's just going to have to wherever he goes, just kind of deal with whatever it was half a season, three quarters of a season, whatever it is of his fifth year option, and then move on from there. I just can't see another team that's going to actually pay him anything. Yeah, I don't see another really positive landing spot for him. I, I just not for what he wants. I mean, a lot of teams would want him. A lot of teams would give a second or third round pick for him, but that's if he's on a three year deal. And also, like if he comes into camp, even if, you, if somebody trades for him and it's not on a new deal, what kind of effort level are you going to get? I mean, you don't know. Is his head already going to be well? You know, I'm going to make some business decisions because I only got I got to get eight games on, under my belt, and then I'm going to hit free agency, and I don't really care about this team. So. I don't know. I don't know Melvin Gordon's personality. I don't know him personally. I don't know if that's something he's predisposed to do. But it's something that has to be a concern in this situation. And to me, he's off my board. I, I'm not I'm not taking Melvin Gordon. I mean, I guess if he fell into like the eighth, ninth round or something, I would take a chance on him where I'm taking a chance on bench guys. But uh, he's not going to. So I'm just not even bothering. I'm not even wasting my time with him at this point. Yeah, like Shelby got him in the fifth round the other night. And I was really excited about it. And that now I'm like, eh. You know, I mean, I think if he goes anywhere else, there's serious value there. I just don't know where that's going to be. I th- I'll throw out a crazy uh, off-the-wall one for you, right? And this is no insight because I have connections there. David Johnson on the last year of a $13 million a year deal. David Johnson and a fifth-round pick for Melvin Gordon. It's interesting. They, re- they renegotiate a long-term deal with Melvin Gordon. They're building this offense around Kyler Murray. He still has some value there. They're paying David Johnson $13 million. I think that's an upgrade over David Johnson. I'm not sure how happy they are with that situation. And, that, again, this is no insight. This is me throwing out maybe something I would look at if I was Steve Kahn. Yeah, it would um, be interesting. It would make sense to me. They got the cap room. Uh, they could move on from that, start fresh. They know they're not going to be – they don't know this because everybody thinks they're going to win games, but they know they're rebuilding. And I don't think that's a bad move if, they, if they're not – they love Chase Edmonds. And I don't know how happy they are with, with David Johnson. Yeah, I mean, again, if that's the guy that you like and Melvin Gordon's, you identify him as a piece of the offense, you expect that offense to progress quicker than the defense. So I understand them trying to build up on that spot, but we'll see. I mean, if they're going to pay Melvin Gordon, I doubt they're going to give the Chargers much back in return. 
uh, you know, it's it's one of those weird right, things. right. I just like off the wall. Yeah. Okay, maybe another landing spot. Something that like if it happened, we go, hey, shit, I told you. Yeah, would, <laughs> you know, hey, that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, finish up with one other piece of running back news here. Then we'll get to some other wide receiver news. Uh, this one is just a, just something to keep in mind if you're a Leonard Fournette owner or if you're somebody like me who likes to kind of handcuff other people's injury prone running backs. Times. Uh, the Jaguars sent Alfred Blue to IR, uh, claimed Ozigbo from the Saints, but it basically opens the door that Reichwell Armstead is the clear handcuff to Leonard Fournette. Uh, so if you are a Leonard Fournette owner, I do think he is one of those running backs that you really need to make an effort to try to handcuff him just because of the injury history, even though he's going into a contract year. Uh, I picked up Reichwell Armstead on my team, even though I don't have Fournette, just because I think there's a lot of upside there in case, again, those random – Saturday or Sunday mornings where he goes from probable to doubtful and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I, I might get a 15, 16 touch back in Reichwell Armstead. Yeah, it's a great point. And we've, I, we, we've talked about Fournette at nauseum, but you've been talking about Armstead for a while. And that's a, the great thing I think you said there was handcuffing other people's running backs. Handcuffs don't necessarily have to be because you have Fournette, right? Because if Fournette gets hurt, and you're exactly right, that Friday afternoon, probable, Saturday, doubtful, Sunday morning out, and you're like, oh, crap. Whoever steps in is going to get the bulk of those touches. It's not like they have a loaded backfield or it's going to be a backfield by committee at that point. So he's a great flex play for you right there. If, okay, I got a Tyler Boyd playing flex or and it's a bad matchup and you go, oh, boom, I'm just going to put that in. That's a great thing to have sitting on your bench. When I'm drafting late rounds and I'm looking for those kind of guys, it's a perfect situation. I think it's a great point that you make there. Yeah, and it's something that I've tried to do. Like in one of my big in my big money league, it's an auction league, so I spend a lot of money on my starting lineup, and I don't I leave kind of like dollar bench guys because there are a lot of upside players that I like. Uh, so at that point, my three running backs on my bench right now are Ryquell Armstead, Chase Edmonds, and Malcolm Brown, and basically, and I don't have any of their starters. It's basically me saying, okay, I'm going to take a chance that maybe one of these guys gets an opportunity at some point, and they're and especially in the case of, of Armstead and Edmonds, they're going to be the guy if the starter yeah. gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, if David Johnson goes down, Edmonds is having a monster week. They love him, catches it great, runs tough. Like, that's that's an awesome one. Justice Hill is another guy you've mentioned the entire offseason uh, that I picked up late round. Not necessarily for now, but we both think he fits the offense better. Yes. And if there is an injury to Ingram, then I think he steps in and maybe he's, is better. Right. So that's a great guy to have sitting there to go, boom, plug and play. It's like now all of a sudden RB2 sitting on your bench instead of a borderline flex guy. Yeah. And, and I would use that strategy some, from time to time. Like, if again, if you drafted like a, a Todd Gurley or a Dalvin Cook or somebody like that or Leonard Fournette, yeah, you do want to try to make an effort to handcuff those guys. But handcuff those guys even if you don't have them. Because to me, I would much rather grab one of those guys late than pay the, pay the price for Tony Pollard right now. Just because Tony Pollard has zero fantasy value once he comes back. Zero, none. Yes, zero. Unless you are drafting Tony Pollard because you expect to play him in your flex week one and, or like week one and week two. If you are, then that's fine. There's value there. But if you're just drafting Tony Pollard and putting him on your bench, what's the point? By week four, he's not fantasy relevant. No, zero. So just kind of something to keep in mind where it, I would much rather take a chance on one of those guys. Or Oh, by the way, if you're one of those people that still want to draft Kareem Hunt in the top 100 – why not just wait, draft a Chase Edmonds or Reichwell Armstead? What do you think is more likely, that, that Kareem Hunt is the Kareem Hunt of old by week 10 or that you have an injury to Leonard Fournette or David Johnson or Todd Gurley by week 10? What's more- By the way, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up Kareem Hunt. People don't realize he just had groin surgery. 
you know, he just had a sports hernia groin surgery, which takes a minimum of six weeks to come back from. So like he's now hurt, not with, you know, not with the team and injured rehabbing by himself. That's a whole nother level of why you don't draft him. Yeah. It's just, just another thing to add to the list. Like it just, I, I look, I think he could have some flex value when he's back late in the season. I'm just not willing to put, take a guy on my bench for three months to get two or three games of maybe flex worthy play. It's just not worth it. Like he's not the number one back there. They're not. Here's the, here's the scenario. This that proves your point perfectly. If you have justice Hill and Ingram goes down and Kareem hunt comes back, who's a better play justice Hill. Yeah. If chase Edmonds is on your bench and David Johnson goes down and you have, it's the same Like They're the starter. They're now RB two territory. Where Kareem Hunt's never going to be that, regardless, unless, unless Chubb's hurt when he gets back. Yeah, which you don't know. And, and then you can't make these – the thing is, is you're going to need these this roster flexibility because somebody's going to pop up in weeks one, two, three, or four, probably multiple somebodies. It happens every single year. If you're like, well, I can't drop this guy because I, – I can't pick this guy up because I want to have Kareem Hunt, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to lose your league because of it. Like you just you, – Yeah, you exactly. Uh, let's move on to a name that I did not expect that we'd be talking about here in 2019, but it's a big enough name that I think it's worthy of at least bringing up. Uh, Des Bryant. I'm going to give it 30 seconds max. Say his name. Des Bryant. Yeah, we're not talking about it. Des Bryant was done for three years before he went to New Orleans and blew his Achilles last year. I don't care when he comes back. He is completely irrelevant. Exactly. I uh, don't care. That is that completely an old guy that couldn't run the Torres Achilles that's never been in this offense, who is, by all accounts, is not the smartest dude in the world. Like, I don't care when he comes back, period. I'm like not even paying attention. Exactly. Don't draft him. Don't care. means nothing. Don't don't tweet me. Don't Instagram me. Don't care. That, that's, no. That's nothing. where we can put about that. But we need to talk about it. Uh, a guy that had a lot of promise this year uh, for a lot of people. We've been kind of fading him a lot this offseason. But first round pick, Nikhil Harry, is going to start the year on IR. He's expected to return later in the year. Not the start to the rookie season he was hoping for. Uh, obviously, at this point, now that he's going to be on IR if you're drafting, people know just to kind of move on completely. But uh, he's compl- he's dro- you drop him in, in other leagues. If you hadn't listened to us already, drop him. Yeah. And said, don't mess with it. Give me a break. Drop him anyway. I think they signed Demarius Thomas back uh, just, just to have another weapon there and, and hope Josh Gordon, I don't know, can play. And Demarius Thomas is the possession guy. Gordon goes deep, has the big plays. Edelman's Edelman. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a place. I didn't. Play, you, I'm on record saying I didn't think there was a place for Harry. I was not expecting anything big anyway. So yeah, drop him and, and move on, and don't pay attention to when he comes back. Yeah, it just. I I, I like him long term. I want to see how he fits in that offense. But year one, I'm not excited about it. And look, if if he continues to have these separation issues in the NFL, which I imagine he will, that usually doesn't get better as you get from college to the pros. Uh, I think his upside is always going to be limited in fantasy. He might have some good value for the Patriots at some point from time to time, but his fantasy value is going to be pretty limited. And look, injured reserve, you get one guy to come back off IR. There's no guarantee it's going to be him. No. If they have other injuries, they have role players, they have somebody else that they need more to come back. If they're you know, not as deep at safety with Patrick Chung, if there's a suspension and all that kind of stuff, like, there's no guarantee he's the guy coming back off IR. What if, what if Sony Michelle you know, has an MCL tear? in week one and they out for six to eight weeks. They're going to bring Sony Michelle back before they bring Nikhil Harry back. Oh, absolutely. These are just things that you have to kind of keep in mind that there's, you might have to write the season completely off for him. Not somebody that you should even bother rostering. Uh, let's talk about a handful of other players that have some week one, either injuries or implications, things that we need to know. Uh, right now, the first three guys, Robbie Anderson, Derek Henry, and Cam Newton 
are all on track to play week one. Jake, do you feel comfortable if you have any of these guys in your starting lineups week one, or are you kind of saying, uh, let's kind of wait and see and have some backup options? Uh, you better wait and see on all these guys. I mean, Cam Newton, the shoulder, the new throwing motion, all that stuff, but now he had the foot, and he's playing the Rams defense. Like Aaron Donald's going to be chasing him all day. And I think Aaron Donald catches him at this point because Cam is not what Cam used to be. Uh, so I, I don't like that matchup at all for him. Robbie Anderson, if he's healthy enough to go in there and play, he knows the offense. There's some value there if you're hurting at receiver or second flex. Derrick Henry was on uh, in a good morning football this morning saying, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm back. I've been practicing for a few weeks. But he hadn't been practicing for a few weeks. So I'm not a big Derrick Henry fan anyway. Um, I don't like any of these three really that much at all. Yeah, I'm probably not starting Cam Newton this week uh, because, one, there's no guarantee he's going to get through a full game. Uh, speaking of, on that note, my week one rankings will be out on thedraftnetwork.com tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, September 3rd. Uh, so I'll kind of be able to look through there. But he's somebody that I think you're going to most likely have another better option. I mean, if you're in a two-QB league, you might not have a choice. But in a single-QB league, you probably have a better option. I'm with you on Robbie Anderson. If you're in a two-flex league, uh, he's a guy that I would consider for that second flex spot. He, he does have some upside. Don't like how banged up he is. Want to see what that Jets offense looks like as a whole. If you drafted Derrick Henry, you're playing him week one if he's out there, uh, either as your RB2 or your flex. But I would still be a little bit concerned. Uh, he's a guy – Against a really solid Browns defense, and you're probably going to be down in this game. Yeah. Like, the- Deion Lewis, I think, has some value here more than Derrick Henry. But people that drafted him like him, you're going to have to play him if you took him because you probably took him in the third or fourth round. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the reality. I mean, I, I traded Derrick Henry in one of my leagues. I'm still worried about game script. Phenomenal trade, by the way. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal trade. Uh, I, I just – it's – again, it concerns me. But, again, if you drafted Derrick Henry, I, I, have, a, I have a hard time believing you're going to have a better option. Uh, in your flex spot this week. But I think that's where he's going to be. He's going to be a flex play for me. He's not going to be among my top 24 running backs, I don't believe. Uh, A couple other things to note. Jake, you were right on the money, actually. Uh, Not too long ago, a few minutes ago, the Patriots did re-sign Demarius Thomas. Um, That's a good piece to know. Keep an eye on this Amari Cooper stuff. He's supposed to practice today. I, I feel that was the other one when we're sitting there thinking about it. I was like, who am I freaking forgetting here? I've been Apparently, about for two weeks now, and it feels like nobody else is talking about this. Just keep an eye on this. This, this one is – this would not shock me if he is like one of those surprise inactives uh, in week one. I don't. Th- I'm not gonna say that's likely. I'm just saying this is one where I don't think people are giving this enough attention, and it deserves more. So here's my take on this. It could go two, two, one of two ways, right? This plantar fasciitis could be the thing I've been talking about for weeks. They could linger all season, kill his value, all that kind of stuff. Or it could be a guy that doesn't like to practice, and all of a sudden he's healthy enough during the week one to go out and practice. Right, and his value is fine, and it's really not that big of a deal. And it was uh, Antonio Brown, frozen feet, whatever. I don't feel like practicing, kind of thing. It's one or the other. The problem is you don't know which one. That's why I've stayed away from him in drafts. I don't think his value is that high anyway. If he's healthy enough to go out and practice all week, and he's not even questionable by Thursday, you probably feel good if you've got him on your team. And if you took him, you took him so high, you have to play him anyway. So you're really rolling the dice. Yeah, I mean, look, if he's out there, you're playing him. Like, I mean, it's just where he was drafted, what his pedigree is. Whether without Zeke, the matchup is pretty nice. Like you're going to play him, but just again, something to keep an eye on because if you've kind of been like, I don't know, just feel like this is getting ignored. And if you kind of like been thinking maybe you haven't listened to all of our shows and you all of a sudden you're like, oh okay, oh cool, Mario Cooper, I'm just plugging my lineup and I'm not going to care. Eh, you might want to watch and just pay attention to make sure he's out there. A uh, couple other things to note for tight ends because I've actually been asked about this on social media a few times. Uh, Trey Burton is still not practicing. 
Uh, I'm not drafting him at all. Uh, he's that groin injury has been uh, has been a real problem for him. Uh, I think he's listed today as day to day with that. Uh, uh, Nagy was very non-committal about whether or not he will play on Thursday night. Just he's not draftable for me right now. And if you did take him and he's your only tight end, you better look for other options because I don't think he's going to play in a few days. No, I, I agree. I mean, anybody that's not playing in most leagues, the 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 tight end bench roster has been pretty good. Like Jimmy Graham sitting there in some, Jack Doyle sitting there in some, Rudolph sitting there in some, Burton's on most because most people have seen this. But if you got him, yeah, you got to move on. Because if you have him, you have two tight ends anyway. So move on and play it week to week if you have to. Yeah, and same thing with Jordan Reed. He's still a concussion protocol. Um, I, I know there was some optimism he will play week one. I guess he still could. But again, if you if you were relying on him in a league where you really waited on tight ends, make sure your backup or somebody off your waiver wire is there. Uh, one one last name I want to bring up to you uh, before we sign off on the show that's interesting. There are a lot of injuries in the Seattle wide receiver core. We obviously know Doug Baldwin's not going to play this season. He retired. DK Metcalf is banged up. David Moore's dealing with a several-week injury. Uh, a guy that's had some success, uh, at least in the preseason, a guy that you're a little bit familiar with, just re-signed 10 minutes ago, Jerron Brown. Do you think early in the season, is there any value in adding a guy like Jerron Brown to your bench? Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up. They released him. He put out a thing on Twitter. Thanks for the time. Time to move on. DK Metcalf, big dude, by the way, had a knee scope. That's an extra two weeks when you're 230 compared to a 185-pound receiver. Moore, who you were really high on, shoulder, who knows how long. Jerron Brown played at Clemson. Let me give you a little background right here, okay? My dad, my dad picked him up as a free agent. He played for us for four or five years. He played behind Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, and Martavius Bryant. He was the fourth at Clemson, but that's the guys he played behind. He's a 6'2", 200-plus, runs 4'4", special teams freak, now veteran that's been in the league like seven years. Absolutely there's value. He's been there with Russell Wilson the last couple of years, really good in the red zone. And I think there's absolute sneaky value there. I mean, if you're hurting – there's absolutely some value there to pay attention. There's a great point. Love Jerron Brown. I, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction here that I think he is one of the five most added players between week one and week two off the waiver wire. I think he's going to have a good enough game where people are going to go, ooh, this is the guy I want in Seattle. And I, I do think there's some value there early in the season because who else is the ball going to throw, be thrown to? He's such a good – he's a much better like athlete and player than people think. I know he kind of got lost in the shuffle where you know there was the other Jay Brown also on the Cardinals for that run. But Jerron Brown has been – knows the offense and can be productive when healthy. Uh, one last, and you're gonna they're, they're gonna double Tyler Lockett now. Yeah, why wouldn't right? Like when DK Metcalf was out there, it was like okay, they're probably gonna double him, but you can't just let him go man to man on the other side without dropping the safety back or playing the corner way off the line of scrimmage. They don't have that now. No, and, and so now they're they're absolutely rolling the coverage to Tyler Lockett, who they're gonna move around and try to do some stuff. He's great right after the catch. I get all that, but that leaves a guy like Jerron Brown as a savvy veteran to be playing man to man on the backside. And, and Tyler Lockett's not exactly a target monster unless no changes this year than has been his whole career. He's a guy that's going to get like seven targets. The ball's got to go elsewhere. I mean, there, there's going to be some other value in that offense, whether it's a guy like Will Disley, if he's healthy enough to get on the field week one, Jerron Brown. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be something. Somebody else in that offense, even as much as they run, is going to have to produce in the pass-catching numbers. Uh, before we sign off, I, I want to mention this because it's been going all around Twitter in the last 20 minutes or so since we started recording. Uh, Andy Reid talking about the running back situation. And he's pretty much said every combination of words that you could imagine. Uh, first, he said he considers both Damian Williams and McCoy to be starters. He also said that he's hopeful that Shady McCoy will play week one. 
because uh, his first goal is to learn the offense. Uh, and he said uh, he still considers Damien the main starter, but it's all over the place. People are kind of freaking out. Um, he also said the plan is for McCoy to play Sunday, but then he also said we'll see if McCoy plays Sunday. Um, but I know this is going to get talked about. To me, I'm not starting – put it this way. LeSean McCoy will not be in any starting lineup of mine, DFS or otherwise, this week. You drafted Damian Williams in the second round. You're playing Damian Williams. Like you don't. There's not really any fantasy analysis here. I wouldn't freak out that much. Look, this is Bill Belichick, BA, Andy Reid's right there in that list of doesn't give a damn about your fantasy team. This is also 100% lip service to whoever they're playing, so they have to prepare for Shady. Because you have to prepare for him. If you're a defense, you better have a package. When he's in the game, you better figure out who the hell is going to cover him. Safety, linebacker, whatever it is, he's a matchup nightmare. That's all Andy's doing is scaring the hell out of everybody they're going to play if you're not already scared of this offense enough. Damian Williams is their starter, came back from injury, had the big touchdown, has looked pretty good in the preseason. He's their guy. He's the guy that they built the entire offense around as far as the running game goes. They got McCoy today, yesterday. Like, yeah, he might play, but this is 100% lip service Mandy Reid to just continue to scare the hell out of defense coordinators. By the way, and it's in the game. And fantasy owners. Yes, and by the way, it's going to be the, one of the sneaky best games of week one, Kansas City at Jacksonville. Uh, that's going to be a fun Yeah, people keep talking about, like, Jacksonville be, being forgotten, how great this Kansas City offense is. Man, it'll be really interesting when we talk about our picks this week. They're on the road against a defense that's healthy that's damn good. This this is a that's a great point. This could be a really interesting against a bad team that's really bad against stopping the run. Yeah, I mean, right, right now Jacksonville are four point underdogs at home, so that's that's very interesting. It is very interesting. Uh, but well, that will be our Friday show. Paige will be back on Wednesday where we will break down the first real NFL game of the year: Bears and Packers. Uh, but in the meantime, Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Jake Arians on Instagram. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, at J. Eisner FFB on Instagram, and you can follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy underscore. Football is almost here, and we'll be back on Wednesday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.